The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hello, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thank you for joining me on Psych Up Live. Are you tired of dates that feel like work or just don't work? Have you been in relationships that seemed to start in heaven and ended up in some version of hell? You are not alone. Today you're going to hear about something that can change this. You are going to hear about deeper dating from our guest Ken Page. He is the author of the best-selling book, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Ken Page is a renowned psychotherapist. He's a leading Psychology Today blogger, a Huffington Post blogger, and in addition to authoring Deeper Dating, he has written for The Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, Fox News. He has led hundreds of workshops on intimacy and spirituality for thousands of participants. And you'll see when he talks how much he combines these important things. His work has been acclaimed by numerous interpersonal experts in the field, including Harville Hendricks, Edward Hollowell, Kathleen Woodward Thomas. He's been called a relationship guru. We are so lucky to have him on today. Ken Page, welcome to Psych Up Live. Suzanne, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here and, and excited to speak about these things with you. Terrific. Let's start, Ken, with the question of what brought you to deeper dating? What made you write this book? You know, this is one of the situations that, that you know, we hear about so often and that, that I think kind of is the uh, a life blueprint is... Uh, that the places where we get the most stuck often end up being the places where we learn the most. And I was a terrible dater. Uh, I want to say more than that. I want to say that I was chronically single and that in my life there have been and continue to be an ongoing series of battles between the parts of me that are very skilled at pushing intimacy away and the parts of me that want intimacy so badly. Mm-hmm. And I guess I wrote this book because I was so unskilled in dating and had so much work to do, and I was willing to do the work because it mattered that much to me. And I was willing to ask for a lot of help from a lot of wise people. 
mm-hmm. and then kind of use what I learned to change my life. And as a psychotherapist, as a teacher, this is naturally what I do to be able to pass this material on to other people. And as I learned, I, I was the worst, worst dater. I was so stuck. I, I was, um, you know, looking for a relationship from my teenage years on, hoping for a relationship and never being able to sustain anything for more than, I think, six weeks was my absolute limit until I was close to 30 years old. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit like that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Yes, that was me. That was me. Yeah. I was looking in all the wrong places. I stayed away from the right places. And even when I was in the right places or the wrong places, I was looking for it in the wrong way. Yes. And, um, but man, was I looking for it. So, so what I learned, and I learned so many things, things that changed my life. And I guess if I was going to put it into a simple concept, this is what it would be. I was looking for love from the outside in. I was looking to change myself and fix myself in the way I was so that I could attract someone. And so much dating advice is about how to attract people. And it's just that outside in advice is just the wrong way to do it. And when I shifted my approach from the inside out, which means leading with my essential nature, who I am, my heart, my soul, my true self, and then just learning to look for the people who got that and honored that and that there was a mutuality of honoring, my entire world changed. That saved Mm. my life. And Mm. that's what I teach. Now, you call these, this inner self, this authentic self, you term it our core gifts. And you say something very interesting. You say, often these are the things we want to fix or change in ourselves, or we've been blamed for. And so we may be a little confused as to how do you identify these core gifts? Right, right, right. And what I'd love to do is explain a little bit more about core gifts and then give listeners just a few questions that they can ask themselves. And these questions are they're very powerful. They're very insight-driven. And by answering these questions, you will have drawn a map to discovering your own core gifts. Great. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's exciting. And uh, we'll do that here. And um, I'm excited to do that. But first, I'll say just some things about what core gifts are. And, you know, um, the main work that I do and have always done is my work as a psychotherapist, my private practice. And uh, I've been doing that for over 30 years. And in my decades of practice, little by little, after, you know, just countless thousands of hours of working with people, I got this glimmer of an insight which felt so significant to me, so kind of aha, but I had a hard time believing for a long time. But here's what the insight, and and, and later it ended up driving my entire practice in the heart of this book Mm. and leading me to the concept of core gifts. And here's what it is. It's that the places where my clients got the most wounded by life those were the places where they were, I found, the most beautiful. The places where my clients felt the most ashamed and humiliated and shamed and injured were the places where I felt they were the most authentic, beautiful, compassionate, 
true creative. Because the closer we get to the core of ourselves, the more vulnerable we are. And so what I came to discover is, over time, the parts of ourselves that we feel the most shame around, the parts of our personalities, the parts that we feel the most timid to reveal, are our genius. Mm -hmm. They are our unique genius, but the world doesn't tend to understand those parts, and people take advantage of those parts of us, they abuse those parts of us, they milk those parts of us, and until we learn the skill of naming those parts of ourselves, which I call core gifts, and then learning the skill of treating them with dignity, and only choosing the people that know how to do the same, until we learn that, we're lost. We won't be able to reveal and honor our core gifts. And that's the heart of the deeper dating journey. Mm-hmm. It begins with, and, and life journey, really, it begins with naming what those qualities are, where, where we are the most, where we can be both the most wounded, but also the most inspired in our life. Because that is where our magic lies. So what might be an example, Ken, of a core gift? Um, One example of a core gift might be uh, a quality of compassion or empathy. So many of us have qualities, and I imagine that many people who would choose to listen to your show, Suzanne, are people who have deep qualities of empathy and compassion. They're interested, you're, you're interested in how people work, what, what, how people's hearts affect their lives, interested in relationships and intimacy. Well, that is a quality, that compassion and empathy is a quality that's a core gift. And why? Because when our compassion is touched by life, when our, when our empathy is touched, we light up. Our humanity deepens. It's like a switch goes on and our heart becomes alive. We feel things deeply and we can feel inspiration and we can also be terribly, terribly hurt. So yes. that's one example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I can think about <clears throat> how many people have said to me, um, my problem is that I have too much empathy and the person I'm with has none. So I know I don't want to get ahead of us, but I believe that when you say very often it is the best of us that ends up being trampled or demeaned, I think that happens to many people in relationships. But let's continue to go on to the questions and the way you want us to take a look at this. Well, first of all, I just want to say, though, that's a beautiful way to say it. It's the best of us that that happens to. That's very moving and captures it so fully and so richly. And, and for all of us, this is a question we can ask ourselves. What are those parts of ourselves where, where we feel life the most deeply, where we're the most tender? Maybe the parts of ourselves that we kind of <laughs> favor or hide or feel the most timid about. Because those parts are our genius. Those parts are the very fuel of the extraordinary life that we dream of. And not only that, but no relationship is going to work until we find someone who knows how to treasure those parts of us. Period. Mm -hmm. The end. And so, um, and I 
do want to come back to what you said because, well, actually, I want to say something about that right now. You know, what you described in a way, Suzanne, was, I mean, to me, many people talk about being codependent and they say that, you know, I have this problem, I'm codependent. My compassion, my empathy gets me into such trouble. And I keep ending up with people that don't have that. And this is what I want to say, you know, Codependency, I want to reframe the concept of codependency as something as as a profound gift of generosity that we have never learned how to honor or dignify fully. Okay. Yeah, because people who are codependent are the most generous people there are, but they squander that generosity in the wrong places because they haven't been taught to honor it. You know, the qualities that you have been told, that any of us have been told are too much, those are signs of core gifts. The parts of ourselves where life has told us we're too little, we're too quiet, we're too timid, we're too humble, we're not brash enough, those are qualities of core gifts of a deep kind of humility, quietness. The ways that people tell us we're too much, those are qualities of passion and intensity, that it's a life work. It's a life work to know how to uh, work with the genius of our core gifts. And now I'm going to get to the questions that you can ask yourself, and you'll see just what I mean by that. Okay, so these are a series of questions, and if people want to write them down, feel free to write them down because you can come back to them. And, of course, you know, in my book, Deeper Dating, I take people step by step through Mm -hmm. each stage to actually name and discover their core gifts. But these questions kind of can really help capture the heart of it. So here's one question, and here's actually an exercise that you can do, and I encourage every one of you to do this who's willing to, if you want to have an adventure into knowing who you are and, and, and changing your intimacy journey, here's a great exercise for that. Take a period of two days and take a journal and note all the interactions with life that you have that inspire you, that kind of touch your heart, inflame your heart, move you, excite you, give you enthusiasm, any of those things. Notice what those things are and jot them down over the course of those two days in your, in your journal. Note what it was and what it was about that situation, just in a few words, that sparked your heart, that inspired you and touched you. And in those two days, do something else too. Ask yourself one more question. What interactions with the world hurt your heart? And you write those down. What was it that happened? How was I somehow hurt by that? And if you do that for two days, at the end of the two days, if you look for the themes, the common themes and the kind of things that hurt you and inspire you, it'll be like a connect-the-dots puzzle where you connect all the dots and a picture emerges you will find certain themes emerge again and again. When you see people treat each other tenderly, that might really move you. When you see a degree of honesty that that is kind of rare or extraordinary, it might be that that moves you. It might be a connection with nature. It might be a sense of, the, of, of someone's connection to their erotic self that feels free and alive. Whatever it is, You note these things, and you will come to see where your magic is, because the things that inspire you, the deep themes of what inspire you most in life, are what you must know to have the magic in your life come alive. 
We're going to need to take a break, but I want our listeners to know that even thinking about this exercise of the two days and things that touch you and inspire you, in giving you that, Ken's given you the ingredients for what we're going to be talking about when we come back from this break, which is the most important skill for dating. So yeah. you've been listening. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We are lucky enough to have with us Ken Page. He's the author of the book Deeper Dating: How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. We are already into that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelley Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first date, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Voice America Variety. If you want to stay on the cutting edge of the bioeconomy, tune into TerraTech with host Jim Lane. Every day, new and substantial products are in our lives. What we wear, eat, and drink in our travels and in our health. TerraTech will spotlight these products and show you where and how they are being used. Listen for TerraTech live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join the innovators and the innovators and move forward you count tune into inner revolutionary radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who like you are changing our world from the inside out follow the movement meet guests who are shaking things up call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice large or small your part counts so join us co-hosted by beth green and james maynard inner revolutionary radio airs live every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern on the voice america variety channel the internet's number one talk station number one talk station VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Ken Page. His new book, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. And Ken just gave our listeners some questions about pursuing over the course of two days what really makes you feel moved, inspired. Really, he's inviting you to touch the best of you. And I'm going to hand this back to him and wait till you hear how he helps you use this. Go ahead, Ken. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Yes. And so there's a second question, too, that's going to lead to the whole next part of this that's a really essential question. 
And here's what it is. Over those two days, notice as well what hurts you in your interactions with other people, yourself, and the world. What hurts your heart? You've looked at what inspires your heart. What hurts your heart? And here's the amazing thing about that. Most of us walk around telling ourselves that we're too sensitive. Instead of understanding that the places where that sensitive, where where that sensitive, that kind of it could feel like life knocks us down at the knees, those are some of the most powerful indicators of our core gifts. And I want you in these two days to try honoring the things that hurt you the most and bother you the most. Instead of thinking, oh, well, I can't be that sensitive, to think, ah, this is this quality of sensitivity that I need to honor because I'm right about what's bothering me. I'm really sensing something here. And when you do that, you will notice the things that hurt your heart because we get the most hurt around the things we care about the most. So when you, some people might get that hurt around qualities of lack of loyalty uh, or, or maybe, maybe being listened to and being able to listen is really important. And when you're around people that can't do that, it just gets to you so badly. Mm-hmm. Maybe generosity is your thing and people who are stingy and take advantage of that, that's the thing that really gets to you. We must know the things that hurt us on a day-to-day basis so we can learn to honor those and then find the core gift there. Now, here's the deal that's so amazing, and this is a formula. This is a formula for finding love, and here it is. To the degree that we dishonor our core gifts, both the things that inspire us most and hurt us, in, a more, in, in the most ongoing way. To the degree that we dishonor those, to that degree, we're going to be sexually and romantically attracted to people who also dishonor those qualities. Mm-hmm. To the degree that you learn, and this is almost a promise, to the degree that you learn to treasure those parts of yourself that I'm calling core gifts, to that degree you will actually find that your romantic and sexual attractions will begin to change. All of a sudden, and I have seen this happen in my practice so many times, it still feels like a miracle, but I hear it all the time. People come to me and say, as I begin to recognize my core gifts, I don't know how it's happening, but I am meeting women or men who value those parts of me. I'm finally meeting people who are available or who know how to treasure who I am. And that's the miracle. The more we learn to name and honor our core gifts, the more each one of you learns to do that, the more you're going to find yourself meeting people that also honor and treasure those core gifts. And that leads us to the next part of the journey, which is who are we attracted to? You know, we spend so much time in the land of dating advice telling people Mm -hmm. how to become more attractive. This is what we don't talk about, is how to change who we're attracted to. And that's really the most important thing. Well, the whole idea, idea, Ken, that when we set up these profiles, often online, we're trying to think of what someone else would want rather than who we are and what our essential gifts are. Exactly. And the minute we do that, on some weird level, we set up an invitation for abusers and takers 
and narcissists and selfish, inconsiderate people to make a nest in the home of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a brave act to not do that. It's a really brave act. And this is what I speak about, that there is one distinction. And, and, and I, I say that if there's one thing that I want to leave people with in, 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 in this talk, and I say this in my book as well, it's to know the difference between your attractions of deprivation and your attractions of inspiration. And, and actually, uh, Oprah's website, when they, when they um, exerted my book, that was the section of the book that they took out to exert mm-hmm. because because it is so important. Um, so so what are these attractions of deprivation and attractions of inspiration, and why do you need to know about them, and what can you do about them? Well, I would say, Suzanne, and, and I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts about this, but in my experience, in a very kind of binary way, we have two different systems or circuitries of attraction. When we're living in a particular kind of way, we can be we, we kind of become more attracted to people who honor who we are. When we live in another kind of way, we get more turned on by people who don't really honor who we are, and we try to get them to love us right. Well, Those are attractive. Well, tell I, me, I would, tell me, yeah. I think that what often happens in line with what you're saying is there's a conventional, unfortunate, there's a conventional attractive and media-driven, etc. type of person. But I think even if it happens that you start to date someone, I see that, and I, you may have seen it also along when p- people are talking about it, it seems like magic, and then it starts. And let's just talk about the attraction of deprivation. The point at which it starts losing hold and stops being really a good relationship, let's make it an attraction of deprivation where you're generous and you I've seen people give and give and as the other person demeans the giving or does not reciprocate in any way the person tries to get it to be wonderful again by giving more only to be put down more and very often instead of grabbing hold and thinking I'm not with a generous person, and I myself am a generous person. There's rage toward the person who keeps putting you down. So mm-hmm. nothing really changes until it finally has to break up. And often people leave mystified, not realizing your core self was not offline. You were not being reciprocated in, in any way. You know, or if you are an extremely good listener, one woman was told, you're not social enough, you don't talk enough. She was a wonderful listener. He never listened. So when that fell apart, she began to think, maybe I'm not social. Missing the very gift that she had to, she was a wonderful listener. With another person, they would honor that in her. So some often I say to people, Take this slow, because you seem to have to be attracted to someone who looks movie star perfect. But we learn, and people really learn, Ken saying it certainly was his learning curve. They're not necessarily the person that's going to really be beautiful and loving you. That's so true. That's so true. And those are such good examples. And, you know, Harville Hendricks says something really interesting. Um, he says, and, and, and Harville Hendricks is a wonderful, wonderful couples therapist and theorist of relationships, just, just 
brilliant. Um, he says that he's discovered that the people that we're crazy attracted to, like off the charts, like weak need, insecure, like just go nuts, attracted mm-hmm. to, we are, we are often attracted to them because unconsciously we recognize that they have the same bad qualities that our primary caregivers had, the worst qualities mm-hmm. of our primary caregivers. And we're hoping to go back to the scene of the crime to finally get those caregivers through the form of this new partner to love us right. And so if you're constantly in that state where you're kind of obsessing about somebody where you because you, you feel like you're not really winning them over or you're not getting them to treat you right, those are signs of attractions of deprivation. And... The the bottom line is that if you are with someone who does not have an essential quality of generosity, if you are with someone who does not have an essential quality of integrity and honesty, you will probably never be happy with that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never. And Mm -hmm. you have the right to be extravagantly choosy. But those people who almost love us right are like somehow the sexiest people of all because we keep, we feel like we're almost there. And if we were just that much more attractive or that much stronger or that much smarter, we'd finally win them over. But but that is, as you described, uh, kind of like getting lost in hell, Suzanne. (laughs) Yeah, because inevitably we start blaming ourselves for the fact that this person was dishonest. Or we blame ourselves for the fact that this person was unavailable. Or we, in fact, point out the their lack of availability in an angry way, and we end up being the one who's seen as the angry, selfish one, when really we really didn't realize we had a right to more care or concern, but we ourselves were not even honoring that. So it comes out in the message like we're demanding, and then we start thinking of ourselves as demanding. It's an interesting thing. In one example, Ken, a man who constantly was told with some of exquisite-looking women, he was um, too demanding, um, too controlling. He really was a very generous person. And it's the point at which he told me that he met someone who wasn't a movie star perfect, but she was so kind that he felt like I came home. It's the first time, and I know it's something you say that people should use as a barometer. He said, I felt safe, I felt relaxed, and I felt like we could really be kind to each other. And that relationship took took off in a way unlike any other, Ken, that he had ever been. And that's an attraction of inspiration. You just captured it. That's exactly it. That's that's a beautiful story. And that's what you want to look for. That's what you want to look for. Um, And it's so hard. It's like just picture a baby with a dangerous object in its hands. But, but, but it thinks it's a toy, and it's squeezing so hard. And you want to get that out of this baby's hands because it's dangerous, but to them, it's happiness. That's what it's like when you're in love in an attraction of deprivation. And you right. have to somehow find a way to be able to relinquish your hold on that so that you can start looking for a relationship that consistently not perfectly, but overall consistently feel safe and loving, where you feel consistently valued and treasured, not perfectly, but essentially consistently valued.
valued and treasured, and that the person has an ongoing true commitment to honesty and compassion. You do not want anything else. And I'll, I'll share my story with, with kind of understanding this difference, this, where this insight came to for me. So, and, 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 and sharing in that, a, a kind of interesting part to this story, which is that, that um, I, I'm a gay man, and so my experience has been doubly difficult, because not only did I have to learn these lessons of intimacy, but as a 60-year-old man, I had to do that in an environment that didn't give me the space to grow and mature in my own search for love, like someone might have who wasn't gay. But... Um, that being said, I was consistently attracted to guys who were cocky and uh, tough and um, maybe a little bit demeaning to me. People who I felt that my sensitivity was a weakness in front of. But those were the people I was turned on to and attracted to again and again. And I felt like it was hopeless because those were the only people who attracted me. And mm-hmm. what was I supposed to do? Be with someone I wasn't physically attracted to? That wasn't going to happen. So I felt just completely stuck. If I was going to pursue the kind of person I was interested in, it would be an attraction of deprivation. But that's the only kind of person I was interested in. And one day, I, had, I was just thinking of my relationship life, and I remembered a time that I had fallen in love with high, in high school with someone who um, it wasn't going to work out with because he wasn't gay, but uh, he was a dear friend, and um, he was a person so filled with goodness and spirituality and decency that I fell in love. And I thought, wait a minute, does that mean that I can actually fall in love with a person who's truly good and decent? And I thought, yes, I have another circuitry. I can fall in love with goodness and decency. How have I forgotten this for so long? And I began to look for goodness and decency in the people I met as I began to treasure those parts of myself more. And that's when my entire dating journey began to change. Until I finally met my husband, who is a man who is so essentially good and kind that to this he inspires me every day with his his sweetness, his goodness, his acceptance. But it was this journey that I had to take. I had to learn that I was someone who could have attractions of deprivation, but I could also have attractions of inspiration. And for now, each we, one of we, you we listeners, have... so can you. I love it. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for your personal story. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with seven skills of deeper dating that are going to help you really take a look at where you're at, where other people are at. They're really wonderful skills. So please, we're, you're listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Ken Page. He's giving us so much information about deeper dating. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Fire can destroy your home, your business, and your life in seconds. On Speaking of Fire with co-hosts Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, we investigate fire, the origin and causes, and provide important information to prevent accidental fires and save your life, loved ones, and your property. 
We speak to experts about technology, investigative research, and insurance issues with regard to fire. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you trying to discover how to thrive in business and follow your purpose? Tune in to Entrepreneur Enlightenment with host Irina Benedict. You will learn how to combine practical business strategies with spirituality so you can grow your business with ease. If you've been searching for purpose, for freedom, for fulfillment, tune in to get your questions answered. Listen live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. You're speaking with Suzanne Phillips, and we are discussing with Ken Page deeper dating, how to drop the games of seduction and discover the power of intimacy. And we are right at the point we're going to take a look at seven powerful skills of deeper dating. I, when I went through them, I actually thought that they served as a litmus test. They not only empower you, but if you really proceed forward with these in mind, I think it's going to be very clear who is and who is not an attraction of deprivation or an attraction you know, of real inspiration. Let's go through yeah. those, Ken. Wonderful, absolutely, and given what you said, I'm going to start with um, number seven, which is the last one, but it's also really the first one, and it's becoming discriminating, fiercely discriminating about which are attractions of deprivation and which are attractions of inspiration. And this is what I want to say. If you make a decision, it's a big decision and it's a brave decision, and it's the first decision that leads toward a new life in your search for love. You're going to make the decision that you are not going to pursue attractions of inspiration, of deprivation, no matter how sexy they are or how compelling. You're just not going to anymore. And you are going to look for and pursue only your attractions of inspiration. That's the first one. And research actually shows that when you do that, when you make that decision, it's going to make you more likely to notice attractions of inspiration and become attracted to them. So that's the first most essential kind of step is to say, I'm going to really make that decision. And then along those lines, you're going to lead with your inspiring self in your dating life. You are going to break the mold, and you are going to be 
kind and generous and thoughtful. Whether you're speed dating, whether you're online dating, whether you're on a blind date, or however you meet someone, whether you're at a party, you are going to allow your best self to show, your most decent, compassionate self. And you do that, and then you watch. You watch who are the people that respond in kind, who are the people that have chosen to live their lives that way. I promise you they're the only people you want. And this is what people should be learning who are looking for love. This is what they need to be learning first. So this is very different than trying to match the behavior of the new person you're meeting in yes. that you're you're putting down a marker you are you are um how as we say entering with kindness and so if you don't get that back instead of adjusting to be clever and sarcastic you're going to hold your position exactly and you will find that if you are rejected by someone who doesn't match your kindness it will bother you so much less if you've made the choice first of this is who I am. I only want people who can do that. Right. And then here's another one that goes along with that, which is if you like him or her, let it show. And the research actually backs this up. You don't need to play hard to get. You this is big. This is a big one. This is a real big you one. Absolutely yeah. want to give them space, but you do not need to play hard to get. In fact, Letting people know what you appreciate about them and why is a turn-on. It's a turn-on. People love that. That matched with giving them the space to be them is like magic. It's the magic recipe. And see if they can give that back to you. Someone who can't give that back, who's locked in those ways of playing hard to get. You know, you want someone who is generous of spirit. And uh, here's another one. This is a fascinating one. And this is an exercise you could do on your next date and every date thereafter. Focus on the quality of your connection more than your and the other person's resume. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be on a date, and in your head, you're going to be thinking, how attractive are they? How attractive am I? How attractive are they? How attractive am I? You'll just do that because you're human, and that's what you'll do. But you can try something else as well as that, because that's going to happen. But you could drop down into your gut and notice, what do I feel like in this person's presence? That person might be... uh, Excuse me? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, you you might think in your head, this person's gorgeous and sexy and accomplished. And then you drop down into your gut and you think... Oh, I feel cold. I feel disconnected. I feel mm-hmm. even put down. Um, or you might find someone in, and they might not be really exactly your type. And so you think, oh, they're not for me. But then you drop down into your, into your belly, into your gut, and you think, this person makes me laugh. I, I feel warm. I feel good with this person. This person is stimulating me intellectually. And you notice something completely different. So... Get out of your head and notice the atmosphere that gets created in the chemistry you have with this person. Notice well, I that. love when well, you call this the art of squinting at times. Instead yes, of being exactly right, instead of being riveted on the fact that he's not six foot nine, you are laughing and you are having fun, and you're thinking he's not six foot nine, but I'm having a great time with this guy. 
Exactly. And so much attraction develops that way. Now, here's another one, and this is the one we're going to talk to that's going to lead to another section, which is practice bravery. And, okay, so, you know, I'm all about self-acceptance, but I'm also very much about bravery. If you see someone you're interested in, it's an existential act of bravery to let them know. Uh, To get out of the house and go to an event instead of just doing online dating, uh, that's an act of bravery. Saying to the people who love you the most, I'm looking for a relationship, and then saying to them, not just... Can you just think about that? But even, could you check through your Facebook friends and see if there's anyone <laughs> that seems like a match? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, you know, when you say to somebody, just keep your eyes out for me, they're like, oh, I always do. And they mean it. But when you say to them, could you go through your Facebook friends, pretty much guaranteed they're going to come up with a few good names for you. And you know, um, Ken, I have never heard a man or woman in more than 35 years of practice say, and then I was at a party, and this woman had the nerve to come up to me and say, how are you related to the bride? Or oh, I've never right. heard it in the reverse. People love when people have the guts to come over and say, hi, I, I noticed you were enjoying the band, too. I mean, that kind of bravery, usually people welcome it, but we've been sort of taught, oh, no, you can't show this, you can't go there. Yeah, so I love so when true. I, yeah, I love this on the list. This is a great one. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I love the way, you, yeah. the way you put it. It's, it's absolutely true because it's an act of generosity. It's right. an act of generosity. And generosity is attractive. And speaking of that, another one is that when you're on your date, be you. Don't worry so much about how you act and all of that. Be you. And the the best and easiest way to be you is to talk about the things you're passionate about and to ask the person you're with to share the same. And by passionate, I don't just mean a hobby that you have or uh, how successful you are at work. I mean by passionate the things that touch you and excite you and move you the most in life. Sharing those, which is essentially your core gifts. Try these skills. These are the skills of humanizing your search for love. And as you humanize it, you are going to, it'll change. It'll change and it'll change in wonderful ways. Which leads me to, I would love to just say a few things, Suzanne, for everybody who likes these ideas and wants to try them and is now thinking, all right, how do I get started? Where do I go? What do I do? How can I make this happen? Yeah. So now I want to break down in kind of really simplistic form, uh, starting from the best going down to maybe the least effective ways to meet people. So Good. Best, great. And yes. So here's what I would say to all of you. The best and quickest way, a way to date smart, is to use that idea that I just gave you. Now, you are friends. You've spent years cultivating friendships with people who are kind and decent and thoughtful and accomplished, people who really fit for you. Now, that's been a lot of work. And those people have spent years gathering people like that. You want to make sure you go to your friends' parties and that you say to them, is there anyone I should be looking for? And that you go to all the people that you know and care about and say to them, specifically, again, don't just say to them, think if, you know, I'm I'm looking for someone and I'd love to know 
if you have anyone in mind or if there's anyone that you've thought of, do more than that. Ask them to go into their Facebook. Ask them to go through their list of whatever contacts they have and just think, is there anyone that they feel could be a match? Right. And that's, that's not dating harder. That's dating smarter. Right. So that's one thing you want to do. You want to kind of start there. Um, another thing you want to do is you want to have a, a good portion of your dating life be non-virtual. You want to go to events where there are people who share your values. And if you're one of those people who uses a geosocial app like 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 uh, Tinder or Grindr, where you can kind of see the people around you, use that app, but not for hookups. Go to a museum. Go to a Habitats for Humanity event. Go to an event with people. To, uh, go to a meditation event. Go to right. a lecture. And turn on your Tinder and see who's there and talk to those people. You want to go to events where people who share your values also go. I'm telling you, that's the fastest way to meet someone great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned something I had never heard anyone else say in the book. If you meet up with someone who's not quite a match for you, but seems so good a match for your friend who also is looking What a wonderful thing to do to say and to connect someone with someone else. Because I think what you give, you get. I think it's such an overall good way of passing it forward. It's so true. It's so true. It's almost like a dating co-op that you can have with people you care about and trust. Yes, yes. It's great. It's really great. Yeah, thank you. That's really true. And now, for people who are doing online dating, which is just, you know, the great majority of single people, I am absolutely in favor of harnessing the power of technology. But you want to use the same skills. You want to treat people kindly. You want to treat them like they matter and they exist. You want to want the way that online sites are crafted is that they're built to make you keep thinking, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's more attractive? Who's closer? You know? And um, what you want to do is anybody who seems like an attraction of inspiration or potentially so, you want to follow up on them. They might become friends. You don't just look for the people that you are wildly attracted to by their picture. You look for anybody who you think there might be a spark and who what they wrote has that quality. And when you create your profile, Show your soul. Find pictures of yourself that are not just you looking sexy and great. Of course, have those. But have pictures that, like, your best friend would say, that's you, Suzanne. That's you, Ken. That really captures your soul. Pictures where you're really glowing, where you're really showing who you are. Those pictures are beacons to the kind of people who's looking for someone like you. And in your profile... Share who you really are. Don't worry about being witty. Don't worry about being cool. Show who you are. And, and, and let people begin to see that. And look for profiles of people who are brave enough to do that as well. By tackling your journey in these kind of ways, bringing this kind of heart and soul and consciousness to it, your journey will change dramatically. And there's one last thing that I want to say, Suzanne, that I think is hugely important. Do not do this alone. Find a dating partner, a learning partner. My book is actually built so that 
one of the classes, every 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 chapter is like the next class in the course, and every chapter has exercises that you can do with the learning partner. Find a friend or two who's single and trying to do this in a more conscious Absolutely. way. Absolutely, I love you it. It's gathering in my book, yeah. or just speak together once or twice a week and take this as a journey of growth. I promise you there is almost nothing that you can do to speed your journey to find love that's better than finding people who you can bounce off all of your questions and struggles and all the multitude of little micro crossroads that come up in the dating life. It's great. Your advice is wonderful, and the idea of gathering a tribe around you is the way to go, is really such a wonderful, supportive idea. Ken, we're going to have to stop for today. I wish we could go on for hours. I think the show today, as well as the book, is really a gift of kindness and intimacy. I can't thank you enough for the work you've done for so many and for coming on the show. It was a wonderful gift. I really appreciate it. Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much. And, you know, anybody who wants to learn more can just go to DeeperDating.com for lots of free information and uh, my writings and all of that. And, Suzanne, it was a joy to speak with you. I just feel like we're somehow so in sync. And it's just I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to be on the show. Thank you so much. I want to remind listeners that um, Ken's book, Deeper Dating, is available on Amazon and I'm sure on other sites. I want to thank my listeners today. Remember, you can hear this show and any show as a podcast on my host site, my website. It can go onto Ken's site. You'll find it on the app of your iPhone, on iTunes, under Voice America, Psych Up Live. Drop me a line um, with a comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, mostly take care. Thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.